Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his short work on controlling anger, Plutarch is going to caution us against misidentifying our anger as a different kind of emotion or we could say affective comportment, which it resembles in significant traits and and details, but is different from in a number of other ways. And it's often translated as righteous indignation. Literally, miso poneria, misos is hate, and then poneria, wickedness, right? So hatred of wickedness, righteous indignation works for it quite well because it's a feeling that we direct towards those who we see as wrongdoers. Now we can get angry as well at those who are doing wrong, especially when they've done wrong to us. But righteous indignation is, you could say, a little bit less focused on ourselves and the people that we identify with or are concerned for or care about. And it's more general. It's, you know, seeing wickedness and then disliking that, you know, having an attitude of disapproval and perhaps hostility. There's another term in Greek that Aristotle uses, nemesis, the word that we actually do get our nemesis from, which is covering a similar ground. This one actually makes it much more clear that it is about hatred of wickedness or badness. Anger is orge or thumos. Plutarch uses these pretty synonymously in this. And he tells us that all too many people, including ourselves, and you know the person who's narrating at this point, tend to excuse their anger by calling it righteous indignation. So if you are angry and somebody calls you on it, then you can say, oh, you know, anger is bad, but righteous indignation is actually good and just and deserved. And that's what I'm feeling. I'm not angry at these people as such. I'm feeling a hatred for the badness that they are presenting. And he says, you know, this is not particularly effective with the other passions and even diseases of the soul. He says that we can't rid ourselves of these by calling one foresight or another one generosity and another one piety. They are what they are, right? And we can call them all sorts of things, but it doesn't actually make it so. And then he goes on to talk about some ways in which uh, anger is actually different from righteous indignation. You can say that righteous indignation is in some respects a less complicated, more pure emotion. And he's got this very interesting metaphor of seeds. He says that Zeno, the great Stoic, right, used to say that the seed was a mixture and compound drawn from all the faculties of the soul. So anger or temper, thumos in this case, appears to be a mixture of seeds drawn from all of the passions. Ton pathon panspermia tis, right? So panspermia means spermos is, is seed. And so pan all, so it's, it's a mixture of all these different emotions. Obviously, anger doesn't actually involve 
every single emotion of the soul. Plutarch is being a little bit hyperbolic here, but it does have, as he identifies, seeds or origins in a whole bunch of passions or emotions. He says it is drawn from pain and pleasure, lupe and hedone, right? And then he says something really interesting. Hubris is one of the seeds of anger. Hubris can be translated as it is in and this one is insolence or insult. It's a desire to injure or humiliate others in order to get something out of it for oneself, to place oneself above others. Aristotle actually identifies hubris as one of the three kinds of sliding that is a cause of anger and that kind of stuck in ancient times. But it doesn't have to be necessarily the other person's hubris. If the seeds are within us, then it's also our own hubris, our own tendency to place ourselves above others and to sometimes desire their harm. And then he talks about envy as well. And he says that envy is also involved in anger in some way. He says, although anger has envy's malicious joy in the ills of others. So epi right? Which is what misopaneria could be against, right? Malice is another way we sometimes translate this. Literally, it is setting one's hand to doing evil, right? So although envy has this, whatever we want to call it, Plutarch actually says that anger is worse than envy. So this is, you know, quite interesting. So, you know, anger involves all these things, misopaneria, righteous indignation, not quite so much. Then he talks a little bit later about how it is that uh, righteous indignation can lead to our being overcome with anger. What is involved in that? He says, those of whom it is true that righteous indignation causes them frequently to be overwhelmed by anger. So, you know, we, we see people doing bad stuff. We, if we read between the lines, we kind of personalize it. Now we're angry at them, not just feeling righteous indignation. And so if that's the case for us, you know, we're reading the paper or Twitter or pick whatever else you're seeing something on TV or down the street and we're like, oh, I don't like that. Those bastards, they shouldn't get away with it. Well, we can do some things about that. One of them is to, as he says, get rid of anger's excessive form, right? So we can, we can keep the anger that we do feel within certain limits. And then the more interesting suggestion right here that he's going to spell out in, in detail is that, like he says, we get rid of extreme confidence with those whom with we live. And what is that? So it's tesfodra piste, right? So pistis is translated sometimes as faith or fidelity, but it can also be translated as confidence in the sense of being confident in somebody, you know, trusting in them. Trust might be another way of talking about it. We shouldn't reveal too much of ourselves to others and we shouldn't have others taking us into their confidence too much. And who is this with? Ton sunonton, those with whom we, you know, we could say we live, we exist. So the people with whom we're involved, um, obviously you do want to have, you know, some deep confidences, say between spouses or friends or family members, but 
that doesn't mean that you have to let everybody in on everything. You want to avoid, as we call it today, oversharing. And he says, this kind of confidence more than any other cause increases the anger when, for example, one who has been accounted honorable proves to be not honorable, proves to be base, instead vicious, or one who we supposed a true friend finds fault and quarrels with us. And the narrator says, as for my own temperament, you know how strong are the impulses which incline it to be of goodwill towards my fellow men and to trust them. Consequently, like men who attempt to walk on empty air, the more I give myself up to loving a person, the more I go astray. And when I stumble and fall, the greater my distress. So the best thing to do is to avoid excessive trust or confidence in other people so that when they let us down or reveal to us a different side, we're not completely deranged by it, feeling either anger or righteous indignation. The last thing that he says in relation to righteous indignation is that we can look at our own examples, right? He says that when we see people doing things wrong, not only can we say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're not perfect people. We can also look at ourselves. He says, if we keep repeating to ourselves Plato's question, can it be that I'm like that? Could I also have the trait or fault or whatever it is that I am so angry about in other people? The thing that I'm seeing as wickedness and then becoming angry over. He says, if we turn our reason inward towards our own self, right? And not just to external things and we substitute caution, eulabea, this is a very important term. This means a sort of rationally felt fear or concern about things that really do matter, right? If we turn, if we substitute caution for being critical or uh, censorious, then we can observe uh, that we're, we're not going to make such use, right? So this is an important term. This is a word that we do translate as use or dealing with. We're not going to take the feeling that we have and direct it in the way that we do. We're not going to use righteous indignation in that way to be hurting others, to be taking revenge on others. And he says that why not? Because we'll observe that we ourselves stand in need of much indulgence, much people making not necessarily excuses, but giving us some leeway, giving us, as we say, the benefit of the doubt. And he says that when we're angry and inflicting punishment, we say, don't steal, don't lie. Why are you so lazy? But we ourselves do that to, to others. And we should think about what it is, direct reason inward about our own lifestyle and consider whether we're guilty of the same faults. And he notes something that is very interesting here as well, kind of on a meta level or a re reflexivity of anger. He says, what is most disgraceful, aischiton in Greek, of all is that when we're angry, so we're already angry, we criticize others for being angry and we punish 
by rage faults that other people have committed in a rage. So we're being sort of like doubly hypocritical if we're saying you're not supposed to be angry and do dumb stuff and then we get angry at them and want to punish them for the dumb stuff that they did. We're doing an additional dumb thing, right? We're adding to the whole content, you could say, of dumb stuff, or we're putting a bow of dumbness on the present of dumbness. <laughs> you want to draw out this metaphor. So there's a lot of things that, that Plutarch has to say about the distinction between anger and righteous indignation and how we shouldn't allow our you know, tendency to sugarcoat our own failings and to ignore them to lead us into thinking that righteous indignation is what we're feeling when we're really acting on anger itself, which is not good for us or for others. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.